0: Hello friends and family. So pleased and thrilled to say that my co-host, Mr. David Champion, the actual smart guy of the group, is back. David, how the heck are you?
1: Good. Good. I I actually feel uh I actually feel like I used my month away from this podcast uh, to um, reco- to reconnect with uh, with Je- with Jenny and with Jenny, and I also used it to uh, per, uh, pursue exciting new exciting new exciting new opportunities. Yes, and I'm sure you'll
0: share those opportunities, uh, with us whenever you are re- ready, willing, and of course, legally, <laughs> legally able to. Yes. Don't worry, folks. He's not like, you know, moving to a foreign country or anything. It's actually a very good thing. <laughs> right, the following is a part of Uchi Productions all the way to reserved by Kevin Nunez and his colleagues. All opinions expressed are strictly their own.
1: Podcast lost in the the political woods. Your one-stop shop for politics and laughs all in the same place. And now let's give a warm welcome to my podcast partner, Kevin Nunez.
0: Thank you, David. Are you tired of the same political rhetoric? Are you tired of the red guys versus the blue guys? One newscast versus the other newscast? Well, so are we. In this podcast, we're going to be with our own personal reactions with a fun, comical twist. Get ready, enjoy the show. Episodes occur once a week on Tuesdays. So
1: Dave, what are we gonna talk about today? well i um the month let's just say the month I was away from this podcast um congressional smartness kind of imploded so um what I mean by what what I mean by that is. Um, Congress even further started acting like children, particularly when it came to the debt ceiling. Awesome. Let's jump into it on episode 16 of Lost in the Political Woods. In in short, the, gover- the United States government was uh, approaching a deadline in which they could no longer... Borrow money to uh, pay to pay off pay, to pay off its, to pay off the deficit, and it would have affected things like the uh, payment of the payment of our mili- of our military men and women and uh, people. Uh, who and people who rely on social security uh social security checks among other possible uh, bad th- among other possible bad things to happen so basically, the people who defend us and
0: the people who are theoretically most vulnerable, so realistically nothing at all. <laughs> Nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all. Nothing nothing that matters. Who needs defense? Who needs military? And you know, people with people with disabilities? Yeah, why not? They don't matter. <laughs> uh
1: so Dave, what did your research tell us about the debt ceiling? My 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 research uh told us that told us that uh the government essential essentially Congress did at the last minute function as they're constitutionally required to with about with the bill passed the house on Roughly June first. It was passed by the Senate on the second. And it was it was signed into law on June 3rd, a grand total of 48 hours before we would have defaulted on our debts. So
0: David, I have to ask this question. Because this is this is the $50 million question. Um by the way, for our younger audience, the $50 million question was a game show way back in the day. Yeah. Um, why does Congress have to argue over things like the military and paying benefits to those who are theoretically more vulnerable? It should be commonsensical. Why
1: does this happen? Year, after year, after year, after year. Well, my research indicated that the debt ceiling has been around since roughly the 19... Uh, at least the modern context of the debt ceiling has been around since the 1960s. But it has only recently become a problem. uh, Because whenever... Whenever the one part one party is in power, the other party all of a sudden becomes worried about the level of government spending. So basically, we don't have
0: power, so we have to wait and moan until we get power.
1: Uh, Essentially, essentially yes, and um all. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm trying not to make this it is Kevin and I's goal not to make this a partisan partisan show. But um all of the recent debt ceiling close call close calls have been when dem uh been when democrats have the presidency, but the Republicans have uh have the house have the house have the house or
0: the Senate. Uh yes,
1: because folks
0: I have to be honest with you. It is, there's no way this likes it, this. it is the way of the world. Democrats usually want to spend more money. And typically again, this is a very big stereotype here, but Republicans usually want to save money. And there is a lot of wasteful spending in the government. Um, The problem is people cannot agree on where to cut because nobody wants to cut anything. Right.
1: Um, One of the more interesting uh, things about this debt ceiling bill was that uh, Senator Joe my, uh, Joe Manchin, the uh, Democrat representative out of West Virginia, um, got a sweetheart de- a sweetheart deal in the debt ceiling to, uh, for a I believe it was a um, oil infrastructure project that was going to go through West Virginia on its way to uh, Georgia to I could be wrong but uh jo- but Georgia so he wanted this deal cuz it would benefit uh, the people of the people of West of West Virginia uh, the thing was it actually Uh, the deal actually took up 27 pages of the bill. And for the
0: record folks, 27 pages is, is, is literally nothing. I'm sure this was like a thousand, this was at least like a thousand page bill, right?
1: It, it, um, it was actually only by some miracle, I think 130 pages. Oh, well, yeah, that was, that's a short one. So, the odds of a dingleberry law being stuck in there are a little bit less, yes, but um my point and the point is that even in these must pass bills, everyone gets some everyone gets something that they want and something that they don't want. So these senators work hard in. Uh, getting special projects for their district. In fact, it's so common, it has its own term. It's called pork barrel spending. Mm. There should be bipartisan concern about the federal deficit. But the truth is, it's not bipartisan because... If it were bipartisan, every party, regardless of the makeup of Congress, would bring it up. Exactly.
0: And then Can I just ask, Dave, America is the richest country in the world. By far. Yes. Yes. So why in the world do we have a debt of any kind?
1: Um, well, we... We have not act. Um, this might be news for our younger our younger viewers, but we have not actually had a federal deficit, a federal surplus, since Bill Clinton left off left office. Mr. Cigars, <laughs> yes, yes, he actually ran the government the last time we had a federal surplus. Who would have thought a blue dress had so much power? (laughs) I I somehow knew you were gonna go there with Bill with uh, Bill Clinton. (laughs) I'm sorry, but but yes,
0: folks. Regardless of it, Bill Clinton is one of those presidents that, if you ask me, will go down very will go down very underrated as far as presidents go because he actually did a lot of good but it was totally overshadowed by his Monica Lewinsky
1: affair.
0: But he actually did a lot of good. Like you said, he had a federal surplus. Do you think in modern politics it's fiscally
1: possible to have a surplus? Um... I would hope that it is, but uh, barring a change of thinking from both parties, um I don't <laughs> see where it's I don't see where it's possible. Can I ask a question? And
0: I know that I get yelled at for this one, but do you think now I know Bill Clinton was the one who you know gave us a federal surplus? But given where the world is today, because it is no longer nineteen ninety eight, do you think a Democrat could theoretically lead us to another fiscal
1: surplus? Why or why not? I. It, that's an interesting. It's an interesting question. Uh, here's the thing about here. Here's the thing, about, the thing about Bill Clinton was he wasn't a traditional Democrat in the way modern, uh, modern liberals think he was. He was actually uh, more like a – he was a Democrat, but he was actually more like a centrist Republican out of the state of Arkansas. So basically, so, so basically we need we need a centralist a centralist. Uh, a, cent- a, centrist, a centrist um yes. A word that you can't even that doesn't
0: even exist in modern politics. Yes. And folks, I wanted to say this up front. I have dealt with political staffers. Um One of my, you know, day job duties is I am the vice chair of the New Jersey Council on Developmental Disabilities. I helped find uh, and build the New Jersey Legislative Caucus. So my job was to work with legislative staffers all the time. Politicians, believe it or not, they're not zombies, they're not machines. They're not, they're human, okay? You won't believe this, but I've literally had a conversation with an elected official um, about fantasy football about five minutes before we were about to go live to do a press conference. So again, and he was the quote unquote bad Republicans.
1: Really? That's, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting story. And I think, I think we need more of that from not only Congress, but local officials, because um, I think a big problem with our politics is that we perceive our politicians not to be, not to be, not to be human. Let me ask another
0: question, Dave. Um, when was the last thing you contacted your local legislator about anything, about
1: anything at all? Um, probably, uh, I'm going to say it was probably when I, uh, was, uh, I, I had an in I had an intern an internship between sem, between semesters in in uh, in college in college. Um, See. at the arc, at the local arc, and uh, I think I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I contacted a local legislature in uh in regards to the uh in regards to the able to the able act actually see that right there is a problem
0: people don't even know who the legislative who the legislators are so oh, yeah th- that's why like no offense you can't get mad about congress doing a sh- a shit job if you don't actually call them <laughs> Yes. It's kind of like saying, here's all the money. Take care of it, but we're not gonna want you
1: to spend it all. Well hello. Yeah. No, I I I think that I think that's uh I think that's fair. I think a I lot think of that's the, a fair assessment. I think a lot of the
0: people don't realize that. Yes, Congress controls the first strings, quote unquote, but it's still our Congress. We get to watch them. We get to vote for them. Yeah. And newsflash, during the midterm elections, votes go down considerably. (laughs) But, um. What do Americans have to know about the debt ceiling? And what can we do to ensure that our money is being
1: spent the way we want to? Well, the the tricky thing about the debt ceiling is that it's one... Really, the things covered in the debt ceiling should be made up of anywhere, my estimation, from like 130 to like 320, smaller bills. That's a lot of bills. But it, um, everything gets put into that one bill. That's so a, unless that's crazy. Unless you're like... Unless you're like me and unless you're like Kevin and I or other people that, like, really read legislation, um, you're not going to know what's in the bills. You know, Dave, we,
0: one day we should take a look at these bills, or at least one bill,
1: and do an episode dissecting a bill. You know what? That that's a that's a very interesting um, that's a very interesting idea. Yeah, um, I'll leave that to you
0: uh, for sure. I gotta be honest with you. The, the truth is, as you get older, you do become more fiscally responsible. Um, you, the Republicans get a lot of slack for what for you know being tight fisted with the money, quote unquote. But the fact is there comes a time in your life where you can't give as much as you want to anymore. You're spiritual, you're mental, you're physical. You have to learn at some point, even though even though it's our duty as a human being to help others. There comes a point where you have to protect yourselves. And I think that where Republicans get a bad rap is because they um, they you know they're focused more on protecting us, they're focusing more on you know keeping us more fiscally responsible. Now I'm not saying that Democrats don't care about the military, because they absolutely do. They absolutely care about, you know, public defense, but they, they they look at it with such a different such a different lens, especially now with this younger generation of democratic elected officials, um, that have have led towards a liberal outcry. Um, that's where the divide is, right? I don't think the divide is. I don't think the divide is um, Republican Democrats. I think the divide is extreme liberals, and then you have regular and extreme Republicans. Oh yeah. You know, no. can I be honest, folks? There is no backroom government it's all done for you right there on c-span it really is 99 percent of it is done right in front of you the only part that is really like a backroom deal is probably like the cia cia and military spy stuff um to be honest with you um but ninety-five percent of what you see on C-SPAN is all this stuff they talk about during the dinner table. I agree,
1: I I agree. I agree with you on that. And newsflash, folks: Republicans and Democrats—they're
0: all friends. I've seen. Everyone. Go to Capitol Hill. Go during go to go to congress has two gigantic lunchrooms like like ginormous okay if you want to see how the world works go to a congress a congressional lunch room okay there's no red or blue they're all in there mixing mixing and mingling okay yes they're trying to help out their constituency but Sorry, that's their job. Yes, there's give and take. Sorry, that's their job. You're not gonna get a perfect world, okay? Sorry. So I hate the debt ceiling, but I also think it's a necessary evil.
1: I, I think, I think, I think so. I think so as well. as well i just wish that the debt ceiling was an actual like rational conversation about government spending when the the debt ceiling is not a rational discussion about government spending between people in congress it just isn't we all know that there's an election coming up
0: can Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris because they're a team put the country on a fiscal surplus, or do we need a Ron DeSantis to do it?
1: I the the, the weird thing is that when it comes to uh, Joe Biden and his economic policies. The numbers, the economic numbers, actually favor Biden. But the man and woman on the street thinks that we're in a we're we're in a bad place econo- econo- economically, and I am of the contention that that's because he does not explain policy all that well. And as far as Ron DeSantis is concerned, um, he's like, I know he's anti, he's anti-woke, but other than being anti-woke, I don't think he's adequately explained his economic plan. That's a lot to
0: chew on, Dave, and I think that's a perfect place to leave our listeners. And that's the end of episode 16 of Lost in the Political Woods. We'll see you guys next week.
1: And that wraps up another week of our podcast, Lost in the Political Woods. I am David Champion, and I would like to give a special thanks to my podcast partner, Kevin Nunez. No, David,
0: the pleasure was mine. Thank you for watching and or listening to another episode of Lost in the Planet Please don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe on this episode. Please leave us a review. We are available on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Teacher, I I am radio. Pandora. You name it really. See you soon. Bye.